0: Let's begin today's episode with a few quotes. These quotes are not from a book. They are from a TV show that was very hot in the early aughts. Let's see if you know which show I'm talking about. I wanna forgive you and I wanna forget you. My dad always told me flowers mean I'm sorry, chocolate means I love you. Don't cry over someone who wouldn't cry over you. You are hanging out with my enemy. That makes you my enemy. She will always be known as the girl who didn't go to Paris. By now, it's probably pretty clear that I am quoting The Hills, the Laguna Beach spinoff that premiered in 2006 with Laguna favorite Lauren Conrad as its star. Four years after that, Lauren Conrad's L.A. Candy hit bookshelves. It was the first installment in a trilogy that was a very, and I mean very, thinly-veiled fictionalization of Elsie's experience with reality TV. I came to L.A. Candy for the first time for this episode, but I was, and still kind of am, a big fan of Lauren's, which you'll hear more about over the next hour. Episode 216 is about L.A. Candy, but it's also about the hills, reality TV, and celebrity gossip. Basically, it's a lot of fun. My guest and I discuss the extent to which Lauren is poking fun at herself in the book, wonder how autobiographical it is, reminisce about our own early experiences with all things The Hills, consider the way money and class are portrayed in LC's YA universe, and talk about the shifting nature of fame and reality television. I can think of no better guest for a conversation about all things LC, The Hills, celebrity stories, and reality TV in general than Claire Parker. Claire is one half of the Celebrity Memoir Book Club podcast on which Claire and her co-host Ashley and I quote, read celebrity memoirs so you don't have to. It's a brilliant concept and perfect for anyone out there who, like me, loves books, pop culture, and that sneaky Venn diagram overlap of the two. Follow the show on Instagram at Celebrity Memoir Book Club and listen to it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You can follow Claire on Instagram at Claire the While we're talking about Instagram, I'm going to ask you a favor. Are you ready? Great. Take a screenshot of this episode and post it to your Instagram story. Yes, like you can do it right now. Make a note about what you're doing while you listen to it or why you're excited to tune in and be sure to tag me at SSRPod before you post it. Thank you. I can't wait to see your posts and share them. You can also follow the podcast at SSRPod on Twitter, And on Facebook when you search the SSR podcast or the SSR book club. This week, our October SWR, that's Shit We Read, book club comes to a close in SSR's Patreon community. We have been reading Admissions by Kendra James, and I have personally really loved it. Next week, we kick off our November title selection, The Most Likely Club by Alyssa Friedland. When you become an SSR patron, you get access to lots of other goodies, including, starting next week, exclusive rapid-fire Q&As with podcast guests. Learn all about the other benefits of Patreon and join at www.patreon.com slash ssrpodcast or by going to www.ssrpodcast.com and clicking support at the top of the page. SSR is an independent podcast, so if you enjoy what you hear and the work I do, your contributions, even a dollar per month, are incredibly important. Claire offers a lot of great recommendations of celebrity memoirs on today's episode. Personally, I love listening to celebrity memoirs on audio. Find your next great audiobook at Libro.fm and use code SSRPODCAST when prompted to get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of just one month. Libro.fm is a great place to buy audiobooks because it supports indie booksellers instead of giant corporations. The audiobooks you buy there will sound and cost the same as the ones you buy from the big guys. A quick bit of housekeeping before we get started on today's episode. It is almost time for our fifth annual New Reads November. Over the next five weeks, my guests and I will be chatting about YA and middle grade books that have been published in 2021 and 2022. I hope you'll stay tuned because it's fascinating to hear about how books for these age groups have evolved especially in light of the discussions we have here on the show throughout the rest of the year. In December, we will be back to our usual throwback programming. Now let's go to the show. Welcome to the SSR podcast. You may recognize SSR as an elementary school era abbreviation for silent sustained reading, but if you don't, that's okay. What it stands for here is Shit She Read. Hi, claire welcome to the ssr podcast
1: hi thank you for having me i'm excited to be here
0: <laughs> it's so fun to have not only a fellow podcaster but also a fellow book podcaster on i feel like i'm with my people today
1: yes i uh i wish i could come at books from a place of love i feel like because of what <laughs> i tend to read i'm feeling very bitter and resentful towards celebrity authors but In theory, I am reading books, technically.
0: (laughs) But that's like kind of what I imposed on you. So to be clear, I want to be very transparent with you and with the listeners. So often, I will give my guests a choice. (laughs) I will make suggestions. But when I reached out to you, and I was so hopeful that you would come on the show, thank you again for joining me. I was like, oh, if I should be so lucky, we need to talk about a YA book from ideally like the mid-early-ish aughts written by a celebrity. And the first one that came to mind was L.A. Candy by Lauren Conrad. So
1: I didn't really give you a choice. And I'm sorry about that. No, I'm I'm happy about it. You know, we actually get a lot of requests for this book on my podcast. My podcast only does celebrity memoirs. Sometimes people don't really understand what a memoir is. It's funny. (laughs) And the, the but the push that people have made is like, well, it's based on Lauren's life and if you read the back of la candy you're kind of assuming that it's going to be about like shmorin and shmighty and their experience on a reality tv show but the characters did not match up in any way i felt like i didn't feel that jane the main character was very lc i guess it's been a while since the hills yeah but it did it didn't feel as autobiographical as i was expecting which bummed me out i have to wonder if lauren conrad even has any idea what was in this book yeah i have a couple of theories if we can get to
0: But I think we should talk about this whole like memoir business because I watched a couple of interviews with Lauren when the book came out in 2009. I will link all of those in the show notes listeners if you want to check them out. And she was asked like why she decided to write a book. And of course, at first she's like, well, I like writing. And I I guess I should preface all of this by saying that I am a lifelong Lauren Conrad fan. So anything that I say today that's snarky is purely out of love. I was so devoted to her when I was in high school and college And so it was just like kind of interesting to reacquaint myself with this version of her while I was getting ready for this episode. So, yes, she said, I wrote this book because I like to write. Awesome. And also, I guess she had been asked to like write a tell-all memoir. And that's kind of what she wanted to do. But she was very clear about the fact that um, if she wanted to write her own tell all, it would also require her to like tell other people's stories. And she didn't feel good about doing that. And I actually would like love to hear your thoughts on this, because what you read for your podcast, Celebrity Memoirs, like a lot of those celebrities are not only divulging their own stories, but the stories of other people. Like, do you get the sense that there's a lot of, I don't know, like, do you think other celebrities are equally as tormented or do people just tend to, like, throw it all on the page?
1: I would say they tend to do nothing. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think of a t- – there's always, like, promise of all this tea and gossip. Very few of them do. I think maybe Jessica Simpson kind of had a gold standard of talking about John Mayer, but, like, she didn't really tell his story. She said how it felt to be in that relationship, I don't think she said anything that was too painful to John Mayer. I know like Garcelle Beauvais from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills was like, I'm giving all the gossip. I'm naming all the names. And like her big reveal was that uh, Bill Cosby tried to hook up with her one time. And I'm like, okay, at this point to out Bill Cosby is not exactly the ceiling breaker that it was maybe 10 years ago. So I don't know that a lot of them do name names. I would say Janice Dickinson named names, but even hers were like people I had never heard of. They were more rich men or it's just like, oh, I hooked up with this guy. I hooked up with that guy. It's like, oh, you slept with a Rolling Stone member. Like, yeah, rock stars sleep with a lot of models. It's never honestly too revealing. They never really give you that much. So you can do it easily without giving other people stories. Maybe not Lauren because Lauren is the victim in her mind. I think her public reputation is yeah. victim. So for her to tell her story, she'd be like, and then Spidey did this. And so I think maybe she doesn't have a story outside of what's been done to her. And because of that, she couldn't do so. But a lot of people seem to be able to write memoirs without naming names. That's a really great point. Have you read the Holly Madison? Her fur oh. I think it was the first one, Down
0: the Rabbit Hole. So I'm listening to it on audio and I haven't quite finished it. And she names names, obviously. But like, I think it's, maybe it just weirds me out because it's Hugh Hefner. But like, every time she says... Kef's name in the audiobook, it like makes me feel weird because she's naming his name. And yes, we know that he is so problematic. But I'm like, I grew up watching him in that campy show, Girls Next Door. And he was to me, this very old man. And I don't know, he's just all over that book. So that's my only experience with naming names.
1: Yeah. I mean, that book, I think me and Ashley had a different opinion on that book than a lot of people. I know she's really had a redemption arc. We did not love that book. For someone who in that book is like, I don't want the playboy name following me for the rest of my life. I'm like, okay, well, you literally had a bunny reference in your title. I mean, that's kind of what you have to talk about. So claim it or don't. I have no problem with her doing a tell all bunny book, but don't in your tell all bunny book, talk about how much you don't want to be known as the playboy girl, like then build something else. (laughs) Yeah. Don't bite the hand that feeds you kind of thing. Well, even just like, I mean, just be honest about what you're doing. Yeah. She has like a playboy rewatch, like take it to the bank. I don't care. But don't sit there and be like, all anybody thinks of me as is the girl from Girls Next Door. And it's like, yeah, you're one hit TV show. What else would they think? Like Lauren Conrad to me is the girl from The Hills. Yeah. Heidi is the girl. You know what I mean? You are what you got famous for, of course. (laughs) Totally. And I think like that
0: leads really nicely into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is that like this conversation that we're going to have today about LA Candy isn't so much for me, at least about LA Candy as it is about like Lauren Conrad as a franchise and like what she's done with her fame and how the book plays into that and is an offshoot of that. So I kind of want to hear from you a little bit about like your experience with all things Lauren Conrad when you were younger. Did you watch Laguna? Did you watch The
1: Hills? I definitely did not watch Laguna. I didn't have cable growing up. And then I went to a boarding school actually. And I know like I lived in a dorm with, you know, 60 girls who were 14 and 15 years old. And so every Monday night they would kind of cram into the common room and watch The Hills. So it's definitely on in the background of my life. I've definitely, just in terms of growing up around it, I feel like I'm very aware of it. I'm aware of the characters. I'm aware of the general plot points. I know that single tear rolling down Lauren's eyes. I feel like I've seen episodes here and there. One of my favorite meaty moments of all time is Audrina Patrick's learning about the Hydron Collider and going, I can't believe this is all happening while Lauren's gone. <laughs> I think it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. So I'm not like, a, like I don't know the ins and outs of everything, but I've definitely seen episodes and I think like I'm familiar with the genre. Yeah, fair. So I was not like a huge
0: Laguna fan because I was, I feel like when I was, that age I just didn't watch a lot of MTV and then when I got older I like discovered it as a concept and then I got really into the hills and I was an aspiring journalist and a diehard Teen Vogue reader so I was like Elsie oh, is me I am Elsie <sighs> like I want to be here when I grow up and I grew up on the east coast and so the whole concept of like being in LA was so foreign to me I actually hadn't even been to California until like a few years ago now and so I loved it all. My ringtone at one point was unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. Like I leaned into a lot of okay. stuff. And I, you know, never was like really into Lauren's brands. Like I never, never bought her clothes or anything, but I've, I've kept a close eye on what she's done business wise. And I, I have to say that, like, I think she's done some pretty cool stuff with her fame. I know Kristen Cavallari has taken her own route. Like all of these women are kind of figuring out what to do with this very specific type of fame that they got when they were in their teens. I think what Lauren did with the little market is really interesting. I actually got to interview her via email, like not over the phone, but I wrote an article about her um, and sent her a Q&A and it made me feel like, oh, all of my like 16, 17, 18 year
1: old dreams are coming true. What is the little market? That's like her new... Yeah, so the little market is this... um, Is it like Goop, but for Lauren Conrad's brands? It's actually...
0: no shade to goop. It's yeah. better than goop because her idea, and she works with a friend of hers whose name I believe is Hannah. They basically like, and I, I think now there's probably a lot about it, is there some like white savior undertones to it potentially. But originally, the intention was to go to all of these underserved communities in third world countries and source products and crafts from small businesses owned by women and create a platform like marketplace for them to be sold at a larger scale. Oh,
1: cute. Yeah.
0: So she basically like traveled the world with her friend and found that there were all of these women making beautiful things who just didn't have the resources to like share about them and Mm -hmm. created like ways for them to share and to make more money. So um, I thought that was pretty cool. I think they're still doing it. And she has these like yeah, I'm looking at it right now. They have some beautiful
1: things. It's
0: cool, right? <laughs> Shout out to the Little Market. Everybody go check it out. Um, And yeah, I mean, she's done
1: stuff with like hospitality and entertaining. Like she's out there doing her thing. I know she's married to a musician. A musician turned lawyer, which I think is interesting that they both have chosen the path of like we've seen what fame can be. Yeah. And we're not that interested anymore.
0: <laughs> He's a lawyer now. I don't think I yeah. knew that.
1: Okay. Yeah. He, I remember he had one song that I really liked. Mm-hmm. He was a huge hit. And then I think he just said, okay, I don't want to keep doing this or whatever. And he became a lawyer.
0: Can you imagine just being like, you know what? Like I've seen what it's like to be so popular and I don't want it. Like, yeah. I just, I'm just going to go to law school. I, yeah, exactly. I'm going to pull an Elwood's Woods and go to law school. One thing that I thought that was fascinating in some of the reviews that I read, and a lot of the reviews are extremely critical of Lauren, um, not necessarily her writing, but just of maybe like her sense of entitlement that she would just go write a book. And to be fair, I'm sure somebody came to her and was like, would
1: you like to write a book? Like, I'm sure. And to be fair, she didn't write this book. She had a collaborator, as she calls it. Um, Okay, but I can tell you for sure that (laughs) she did not write a single word of this book. I mean, I'm sure what (laughs) happened is they had a lunch meeting where she came up with the characters and with the storyline, and I'm sure she read it and edited it. Or like not edited, but gave feedback. But there's yeah. no doubt in my mind that she did not write a single long sentence in this book. That she was only like plot ideas.
0: Yeah. And fun fact, the woman who worked on the book with her or wrote the book for her also wrote a lot of the mary Caden and Ashley books. Yeah. So 90s kids out there, eat your heart out. A lot of reviewers talked about the fact that it was sort of refreshing that lauren conrad's proxy in the book who's the main character jane is not this like perfect protagonist and some of those reviewers were referencing that like maybe lauren is sort of poking fun at herself because a lot of the criticism that lauren herself received when she was on the show was that she's boring and like all of her storylines were based on these like long sad looks at people and that she really like lucked into being famous like there was nothing really that inherently interesting about her and the main character of L.A. Candy is a girl named Jane, who is sort of like the plain, more introverted friend to Scarlett, who's like the bigger personality. And they go to L.A. together. And Jane somehow ends up being like the relatable person on this reality show and is very unsure of herself. And so a lot of reviewers, I think, were like happy to see that Lauren wasn't presenting herself as this like shoe in for
1: fame in Hollywood. I also liked that Jane, because I think when you think about the stereotypes of, like, YA novels, it's, like, the outgoing, like, I think of, like, the Mary-Kate and Ashley, to bring them up, like, the New York Minute dynamic of, you've got the wild, hot girl who's cool and doesn't care about school and her room is a mess and whatever, she loves indie stuff, and then you have the sweet girl who's the valedictorian and the class president and so neat and on time, and I kind of thought it was interesting that Jane was the pretty boring one, but also like a mess and not good at her job. I have not seen that often in a protagonist that it's like the sweet girl who all, I don't know what, at one point they say she got bees in high school and stuff and she's late to her very first day of work and she's staying out late. She goes out that first night after her first day of work and even her hot, cool friend is like, shouldn't you go home and get ready for tomorrow? And she's like, no, let's just have fun. And I'm like, Jane, you really are just run of the mill. Nobody like, what are you good at? <laughs> But I kind of thought that was cute to make, like, the sweet one not good at everything. Because that tends to be the two halves. You're either perfect and pretty and sweet and good, or you're a mess and cool and hot and sexy. Yeah, they picked, like, an unusual
0: combination of traits for her. Yeah, honestly. Um, But I feel like a lot of people – like, she's mediocre
1: in, like, every way. Yes, she's very mediocre. Mm -hmm. She's very uninteresting. Um, And I think Lauren was like that, too, right? She wasn't good at her job. She, like, was famously didn't go to Paris. I think (sighs) Uh. she – she was very that's what you are at 1819 you're like stupid (laughs) so
0: stupid I watched um MTV has a clip that's like the first five and the last five minutes of the hills and I just watched it before we started recording and I was reminded of just like Lauren she, she they call her when she like she just shows up at her apartment in LA and of course we know that this is all fake but um she conveniently like drives to her apartment and then I guess that's presumably also her first day at the Teen Vogue internship or her first day of like the interviews that day. And then she gets a call within moments of reuniting with Heidi and they're like, oh, we need you here in 10 minutes. And then she's a mess. Like she's flat ironing her dress with her hair straightener. Like, and yeah, she was terrible at her job. And they, they really kind of did her dirty in the editing, even in the first literal five minutes of the show, because <laughs> there's like a little sort of sequence where her boss to be Lisa Love is on the phone and they show Lauren like looking at these dresses and like kind of cocking her head. And they almost have like clown music on in the background, like real housewife style clown music. Cause it's like, D-d-d-d. and she looks like she's completely zoning out, like she has no idea. And she hasn't, she's been on our screen at this point for five minutes and she hasn't even gotten the job and she already can't focus.
1: Yeah, she's, she's a ditz. And then I know, and then. I remember watching a scene recently where she's so mean to Heidi about getting a job and it's like she wasn't perfect she was relatable in that sense that she was kind of boring and still a bitch and down the line very mediocre something that i liked about this book that i found nostalgic because obviously it is ya and it's been a while since i've had to like tap into my 14 year old self but what is presented as cool and normal for an 18 year old to younger people like, the idea that at 18, an 18-year-old 18 would be, like, this adult who's so callous and cool, and the character of Scarlett, the fact that the opening scene, she's already having one-night stands and casual sex, and it's, like, her first week of college, and she's already, like, a hardened Samantha type. I'm like, that's not how you act at 18. That's not an 18-year-old. So I feel... So did you watch Gossip Girl when you were a kid? Yeah. Okay, so I oh, feel like... Well, yeah. yeah. A little. So
0: Scarlett, I feel like, is, is, is more of the Serena in the relationship, and then jane is more of the blair do you think that would be fair to say because yes yeah, scarlet just has this like i don't give a fuck attitude but she it like it's the opposite to jane in that she has an i don't give a fuck attitude and she also is smart and hot doesn't have to wear makeup she has like a little bit of not like other girls stuff yeah. going on
1: she's yeah she says a lot she doesn't care about fame she doesn't care about any of it she rolls her eyes at sororities she has some line where she makes fun of how bad Jane is at flirting. And I'm like, I don't know. Jane's not so bad. But she's definitely, like, the untouchable cool girl. And it's interesting to not have her be the protagonist. I mean, I did think what they did with the two main girls was kind of different than the standard. In what way? Like, do you wish that we'd gotten more from the others? I don't wish that we had. But I feel like in those YA books, you follow Serena. You yeah. follow – or, like, I guess sometimes I'm thinking about, like, the click, you're the massy, But I did – Feel like the Jane character was different to me than a
0: lot of them. She managed to wring a lot out of Jane for a character that like wasn't, as you said, that interesting. I realized that I didn't actually ask you this because I jumped right into the fact that I imposed this book on you. Did you Did you read this when you were a kid, or is this, the, this no. is the first the first time? Okay, no, this I is didn't first either.
1: Time. <laughs> um,
0: so we're both discovering this anew.
1: I mean, I think when did it come out in two thousand nine? Yeah. Yeah, I would have been like a senior in high school Yeah, going to college. So yeah. I think this is definitely a bit young for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was in college, so um, I definitely didn't read it. Although I feel like there were probably a lot of college students that were secretly or not so secretly picking it up because there are also like some adult characters. And I thought that was really cool. So we get primarily Jane's perspective. There are a couple of chapters that um, – are more from the perspective of Scarlett and then also Madison, who is like one of the new friends that come in to be on the show with Scarlett and Jane once they're recruited by um, Trevor, who's a reality TV producer to be on his new show. But we also have a couple of chapters from Trevor's perspective, um, which I thought was great. And then also from the perspective, of I think her name was Veronica Bliss, and she's the editor of a gossip tabloid magazine called Gossip. So that's not really that creative. And I thought that was really great because I think if I read this as a teenager, I would have, that would have made me feel so cool to like get that kind of privileged peek into what was happening in the entertainment industry. And even as an adult, I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like it's not real, I know, but just to, to be able to have like a broader picture of what's going on as these girls are being caught up in the reality TV industry and like, understanding what the producer is motivated by and like seeing what
1: this editor's meetings look like. Like I thought that was a cool touch. Yeah. It definitely has that mark of, we're going to name drop a lot of cool things to make you feel like in the know for New York city. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the L or the LA here are the clubs. Don't you know, New your LA clubs are only cool for six months. Like nobody goes out on a weekend. Yeah. Also a lot of, it's a lot of, if you know, you know, but.
0: Yes, and I don't know. Or a high
1: schooler, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I definitely don't know. I still don't know.
1: So let's talk a little
0: bit more about like the show itself and how it all comes together and the drama. So Jane and Scarlett are out at a club, as one does, uh, you know, right after they've arrived. And they meet this guy named Trevor. And Trevor is a reality TV producer. And at first, like I wanted to I wanted to read this one part because it super creeped me out because we didn't know when this paragraph comes into play that he's a producer, I, I feel like you know yes, what I'm when he's say. just like,
1: yes, I was yeah. also very creeped out by this passage. Okay. Trevor
0: Lord sat at the corner booth, the best one in the room, next to the one Anna Payne had just disappeared from. Side note Anna Payne is like the hottest star. Barely touching his glass of 18 year old Talixer scotch, he was too busy watching tonight's parade of posers. Still, he felt hopeful. Maybe this was the night. Maybe he would get lucky. And so, I of course think that he's like out scoping, like, people to sleep with and he's scoping these young women like he's specifically describing Jane and Scarlett and their group um they've also made friends with Diego who is like an LA native who like knows all the ins and outs but we shortly thereafter find out that no Trevor is like not scoping out people to sleep with he's he's scoping out people to be on a new reality tv show and he says to them listen I'm not trying to hit on you I promise I'm a producer I'm looking for girls to cast in a new tv show I'm putting together I'm casting for a new documentary style show. We're going to be following around a group of girls in LA, seeing what their days and nights are like. It's going to be really fun stuff. Kind of a reality version of Sex and the City, but totally PG, of course. He promises them like fame and recognition and all these other things. And they basically are like, they're like a little nervous,
1: but they're basically like, okay. (laughs) It's so funny. They keep referencing Sex and the City. I never would have referred to... The hills is being similar to sex in the city in any capacity If anything you know what i mean it's just in such a completely different world it's like a young person's real housewives or something but i wonder if like that's something lauren conrad really fancies about herself like oh we're like the sex in the city girls oh that's so interesting like i wonder if she's like she definitely is like i'm a carrie yeah exactly but also i just feel like it's a real uh feather in your cap to be like we're basically like sex in the city but pg and real and it's like no you're not
0: (laughs) it's not real and also not really that pg and that's like another thing that comes up again and again throughout the book is that like the producer keeps pushing like oh no like we're like a kinder gentler sex in the city like we're not going to show anything inappropriate and then like you know immediately they start messing with the optics of like their sex lives and like trying to engineer who they're dating which is really problematic So there are some, like, red flags early on. They go in to do this casting. They do, like, a screen test. a little bit of an audition. And there's a lot of, like, murkiness around the contracts and, like, when they are able to film. And I noted, like, when I went through my notes again today before we jumped on that, like, the first day that they were filming, they, like, didn't even have all their contracts signed. And that kind of thing, like, I wish we knew for sure if that was how it played out with the Hills.
1: yeah. I do think like the timeline, I wonder how similar that was because I, I just read Audrina Patrick's book actually.
0: Oh, you did? For the
1: podcast. Yeah. And it does feel like they just met her at a pool and they're like, next week, what are you doing? Interesting. Okay. So
0: I think Audrina is Gabby in the book. Yes. So Gabby is one of these like other friends that Scarlett and Jane are supposed to pretend to like be besties with. And she is... Yeah, and i hate to say this about somebody but she's like very typically like the dumb one like all that we hear about in the book is is how much she like doesn't pay attention to what's going on and how little she knows and just she's a dope basically
1: i mean to a point where i was like fresh like the amount yeah like it was poor writing on making Scarlett the smart one cuz Scarlett's supposed to be the yeah. intellectual and she'll still she'll say phrases like jury is still out and then gabby will be like what jury and you're like, okay, these are not intellectual things to say. That is just like a very common phrase. Or she'll be like, maybe she fell in a black hole. And Gabby's like, what's a black hole? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, if you're going to make Gabby dumb, at least make Gab, uh, Scarlett smart. Because this is yeah. poor writing. These are not smart people's phrases. Everybody knows what a black hole is. Totally. And I also like reading this and then watching a couple of clips from the
0: hills while I was doing research. And I put quotes around that. I I think I didn't realize like how dumb Adriana was like meant to be on the show and I don't believe that she is in real life because I I think it's manufactured. No, you do. You do think think she's she's dumb? Stupid. Yeah. Okay. I don't know her. I just I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt, but like. But there are dumb people out there, and it's got to be someone. And I'm gonna guess this. Okay. (laughs) Can you tell me more about her book because you like you read it recently?
1: Yeah, I mean, her book was really just like, I grew up, I had a family, I went to community college, (laughs) I decided to go to LA and just see. And then within one week of moving to LA, she gets scattered for the hills. And you know, she's obsessed with Ricky Bobby, and Uh. that goes on and off. And then she dates the man that is the father of her child that she marries. And that's the entirety of the book is that relationship, honestly, and I found it interesting. Like, it's a sad story. Obviously, like, I don't want any woman to be in a bad relationship. Yeah. But I always find it interesting, even people who aren't willing to go that deep in their books, what they choose to tell you. Because this is a woman who could have talked about anything in her life. And when you ask her, what has, what's your life? All she really had to say was, like, her relationships. Hmm. And it was crazy because I forgot she was part of the bling ring. She did not mention that. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting. Like, I mean, obviously, when you're in a relationship with someone, it's very – it can be very all-consuming, especially if they're very controlling. But, like – She gets into very little other details of her life. And I just find it interesting when it's like, who are you? And she's like, well, I'm somebody who's dated these guys. And that's kind of all she had to talk about.
0: Well, that was kind of her arc on the hills, too, if I'm remembering correctly. Like so much. Yeah. And I
1: think that that's somewhat accurate to who she is. I think she is like a person who's dating.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And she's like defined by how her dating is going and who she is dating.
1: And it's never going good. And she's just like trying to work it out. And I feel like she thinks of herself as very cool you know what I mean I don't know she I don't think there's a lot going on there to be honest okay so she's Gabby I think we can say pretty confidently yeah. and
0: I I know there are two more books in this series and I'm curious if we get more about Gabby in those because we do end up getting a lot from Madison in the end of this book so Madison like kind of comes more to life but Gabby is really just like a prop for the most part in this book and I I guess like when I really think about it Audrina was often just a prop like one of the clips I watched, like she's just always like in the background like sunbathing
1: pretty much and being hot and her and Lauren did not stay close like she was like our friendship wasn't really real they at one point I don't know it was very confusing reading her book and I think it's because Audrina is kind of dumb and I think it's a hard situation to be in where you don't know what's real and what's fake but she really didn't know what was real and what was fake oh really yeah even in the book you could tell she just did not know What was, like, she just didn't know. Like, she would say things where, I'm trying to think of an exact example, but it was like she went out with somebody and she was like, it was clear he was only dating me to be on the show, but then afterwards he kissed me and there were no cameras. So that must have meant it was real. And we were like, well, Audrina, he had to continue to date you to stay on the show. Like, she didn't know that her place on the show would make her more appealing to somebody and that, like, they wouldn't just, she thought if somebody didn't turn it on and off with the cameras exactly, then it meant it was real. Uh, if that makes sense. In the same way that like Paolo, there's a character of Paolo very early on who asks the main girl Jane out on a date and very quickly she realizes, oh, you only asked me out on this date because you saw that I was filming and you knew that taking me on a date would be filmed and that would get you on TV. Audrina's never able to figure that out. Yeah. She's kind of like, well, if you wanted to see me off camera, that means it's real. And she's constantly being used and she doesn't even see it. She doesn't get it. And I do think it does affect your life in that she wanted to be on the show and she wanted to be good at the show. So she wouldn't date anybody who couldn't be on the show. But then by only dating people who agreed to be on the show, right. she only kept dating people who like wanted to use her for the show. Right. And I get how that gets very tricky when you're like entangling your life. Cause like, Logistically, it's hard to date somebody who won't film with you if you're filming, like, 24 hours a day, six months a year. But at the same time, she, like, really didn't ever know what was real. (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, a vicious cycle because if you
0: only – if you're so desperate to stay on the show that, like, you let that dictate your personal decisions, then, like, all of those decisions are just fundamentally going to be produced and often that's not going to, like, end well.
1: Yeah, and she allowed her produced moments to dictate, like, the next thing in her life. Like, she would get into these real fights with – like – one of the fights she got in with Lauren it was that, like, the producers set it up to make it look like maybe Height. Oh, the producers had set it up to make it look like she had hit on Spencer. Okay. And that ended in, like, a real fight she had with Heidi. And I'm like, how could that have happened? How could you two women not have been smart enough to be like, oh, okay, we'll fight for the cameras, but not really? Yeah. It, I don't know. It was just very bizarre. To, she does not have a good read of people. She doesn't have, like, a strong intuition or, like, understanding or critical thinking. And because of that, she was really kind of just at the whim. She was like caught in the wake of whatever the Hills told her she
0: was. Totally. I recently read a book called Not All Diamonds and Rosé by Dave Quinn. Have you read that? I I But it's about the Real Housewives, right? I devoured it in like a day and a half. And each section of the book is like an oral history of like a different city in the Real Housewives franchise. And um, a lot of what it goes into is like which cities like which casts are better at producing themselves than others because like yes they are produced and they are scripted a little bit but like guided I would say more than scripted and some of the cities some of the housewives especially like because they've been doing it for so long they're really good at producing themselves and some housewives come in and already have like a knack for producing themselves and producing what's happening on the show And as you're talking about that, and while I'm thinking about L.A. Candy, like, it just makes me realize how, like, both the characters on the page in L.A. Candy and, like, the characters on the hills, like, nobody was prepared to produce themselves until, like, Spidey really And yes. he, like Heidi even like when the show started and I think Heidi is like maybe sort of Madison in the book like there are some definite um, overlaps between those characters when Heidi was on the show in the beginning she seemed like kind of sweet and innocuous and like a little bit like Lauren and that she was kind of boring but Spencer came in and like he knew what he was doing
1: he knew what he was doing I think you look at that example I just gave with Audrina yeah where the situation was, I think the producers said, hey, can you stop by this Froyo shop real quick on your way home? And so she goes, and there's Spencer with flowers. And then the next night, they're all in Vegas, and the producers say, oh, hold on, Andrina, just hold back for a second. And then they have her enter the club with, like, and she's like, okay, and she waits. And then by the time they release her, she's walking in a pair, basically, with Spencer as they walk into the club together. And this is used to get Heidi all riled up. And I don't know if one, maybe Heidi faked being riled up, because... Mm -hmm her and Spencer went in on it together or Spencer actively chose to like allow Heidi to believe that he was cheating on her with Audrina. But the idea, but what matters is that at the end of the day, Audrina was like, I'm in a fight with Heidi because of these produced moments that tricked her into thinking me and Spencer have something. And it's like, yeah, who could fall for that? Yeah. And I don't know if Heidi was falling for it too, or if Audrina was falling for the way that Heidi was going to pretend to be in a fight with her to go along with producers. But one thing for sure is that Audrina fell for it. Have you watched the new, like the reboot at all? No. I watched like the first three episodes. I think it was
0: like height of lockdown, like very early 2020 need to watch anything that's on TV kind of situation. And I fell off of it almost immediately, which like at that time is saying a lot because I was watching pretty much anything.
1: It's hard now. I think everybody has gotten so good at producing themselves, as you said. And that's like kind of the downfall of of Beverly Hills. You know what I mean? You have people like Lisa Rinna and even Kyle now and you can see through it. And it's just like not that fun. And then I don't know, when they start, the whole, I think, Denise Richards storyline, I stopped oh. watching because I think that was a perfect example of what happens when you're overproduced. It is like, at the end of the day, what do you care if she had sex with a woman? She's a 45-year-old woman. She's allowed to have sex with whoever you want. This idea that she owes Lisa Rinna the truth is just so preposterous. Yeah. And it's. I think it's the downfall is that they got too good at producing themselves. You can have, like, one wild card, like a Tamara or something. Right. Or a truly unhinged person that everyone's operating around. But when you see them, like, create storylines, it's so boring. Yeah, I think Beverly Hills is often like
0: victim to that. When you were watching The Hills when it was out early on, like did you think that it was quote real? Or did you have a sense that it was scripted or produced?
1: It's hard for me to remember how I felt. I'm a, I'm a real like cynic when it comes to Hollywood. I don't even okay. believe that like couples are real. I think like most couples are PR couples. Yeah. So I like am very much of the nothing's real mindset. I can't remember what I thought. But I feel like there was always this sense of, like, it's produced. You know what I mean? It's like WWE. They're always on their phones. It's also, like, nothing that happens is so crazy. They're just people dating and going to work. So at the end of the day, it it doesn't feel like – even if it was produced, these felt like scenarios that would have actually happened. Like, when you're young and in your 20s, your friends do act like assholes, and they do get douchebag boyfriends, and you do get – do bad at your job, and you make stupid decisions when it comes to boys. Yeah, I think that I – i bought it like i think i was like this is real
0: and i think it's because i was so sheltered you know i grew up in like a very suburban community and like i didn't even drink when i was in high school because i was like afraid and so i think like i was like oh yes this is all normal like this must be what it's like to be (laughs) in a city and to be like living a more exciting life than i am so i bought it
1: i guess i just don't think that it's not like i do think that what that show like that gossip girl was unrealistic Right. Like, teenagers were not living alone, running hotels and flying to Greece for the weekend. But I do think like, I don't know what were the big storylines that Heidi got a boyfriend who kind of turned her against her friends that I've experienced. Like, yeah, that Audrina was on in, in an on and off relationship with a douchebag. I've lived that. I mean, that these girls were like horrible at jobs that seemed cool, but were actually quite tedious. Yeah. And I think that, you know what I mean? Like, these aren't like extraordinary circumstances.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of the like behind the scenes peaks that we get at LA Candy are around Jane's internship that she has at Fiona Chen's office. Fiona yeah. Chen's like the hottest event planner. I think at one point Heidi had an internship with like an uh, Brent, Brent something. He was like an event producer.
1: Yeah, that's that scene where yes. she calls Lauren to say, I just quit my job. I'm dropping out of college because I got my dream internship. And Lauren is such a bitch to her on the phone and her and yeah. uh, Whitney are like rolling their eyes and being like, Ugh. and meanwhile, I was like, okay, what are you doing with your fucking college degree, Lauren? Did she That's even finish fitting or whatever? I don't think she did. I mean, Heidi was the only one with like a foresight.
0: Yeah, true. She saw what was happening for her. But I think like if if Lauren Conrad, the author quotes, was like trying to give us a sneak peek at. How it really worked on the hills. A lot of it was happening in Jane's work life because there was all of this like moving of cameras, and you know, like whenever Jane's boss fiona would call her in for a meeting she would have to like get new lighting and like she didn't like the way that she looked so she sat in a different spot and she just so happened to promote jane like the very day that the cameras were coming in to film her so that she would have like more exciting things to do on camera so that was one and then also the apartment was another like behind the scenes moment because of course when they like first moved to la from santa barbara they were living in a shitty apartment one thing i thought was interesting is like i feel like and part of it was because they were coming off laguna but When Lauren and Heidi started the Hills, I feel like they had, they had money. I mean, it was pretty obvious that they had money, even at the beginning of Laguna Beach. Like that was the whole premise of Laguna Beach was that these were a bunch of rich kids in Southern California who could do things that like your average MTV viewer at home couldn't do. And I think there was, like, an effort made in LA Candy to make these girls seem like they were from humbler beginnings. And I'm not sure that it, like, really worked. And maybe it's just because... Well,
1: Jane specifically says, I come from an upper-middle class background and I'm comfortable. They're from Santa Barbara. Yeah. And then also, and then Scarlett's parents are, like, a psychotherapist and a plastic surgeon. So I think it's, like, not acute. Like, they definitely are 18 and in a shittier apartment. Right. But... There's no – like, they're both – I mean, Santa Barbara is, like, one of the most expensive places to live.
0: No, but I think that's what I mean. It's, like, it feels like Lauren Conrad's privilege is, like, showing because, like, maybe she thinks that this reads as, like, not chic or, like, not wealthy. And, like, the rest of us, like, know that Santa Barbara, like, parents who are doctors, upper middle class, like, that is fancy. And to be able to move to L.A., like, theoretically on your parents' dime, even if you're not, like – Laguna Beach rich, like that still means that you're
1: extremely privileged. Yeah. She has that line about when they get $20,000 each for the first season, they're so good. And she's like, this means I won't have to dip into my savings anymore. And I'm like, savings, you're 18 years old. This is your, what are you talking about? The whole, what it means to be 18 in this book is really skewed. I felt. I also think it was interesting what you were talking about with the job, but that was like a peak. Something that came through in Andrina's book too, is I think one of the true naivetes of these girls is every time they get excited that an adult would be on board with what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And Audrina was, so when Audrina got picked for the Hills, she was working at kind of like a milk studios esque business. It was like a production company where you could do uh, like music videos and stuff. And she was so shocked when her bosses let them film where she works and she could not believe it. And she was like so embarrassed and scared that they would find out. And I think Jane has that. She's like, Fiona Chen's going to let you video. And I'm like, oh, these girls are so naive that they don't understand that this is huge for businesses, that any entertainment business would want to become part of... Like, yeah. I do believe that Lauren Conrad is probably shocked that Teen Vogue would let them film, not realizing that Teen Vogue couldn't pay for this kind of exposure, that this is the best thing that could have ever happened to Teen Vogue. Yeah, I guess I just, like, get... Con- I think
0: there's something confusing about, like... And part of it is just, like, I we know Lauren Conrad, right? So, like, we're able to read some of her maybe like views or experiences into the way the book is written but I'm like it's hard for me to believe that like, some teens from Santa Barbara which is like not that far from LA and is again like a very plugged in like wealthy community like they just seem to like not get a lot of stuff that I wonder if I would have even been like suspicious about as a teenager um, or as somebody in my like late teens or early 20s and so Yeah, I guess part of it is just like the satisfaction of having adult buy in when you're like new to the adult world. And you're like, Ah, yes, like you approve of me. Great. Like we can do this together. But yeah, there were just some things that didn't quite line up. And I think a lot of it had to do with like money and like class and privilege. And I was like, I just think that maybe Lauren Conrad needed to talk to a couple of like actually like lower middle class people to understand like what her baseline should have been in this book.
1: Yeah, I also think part of it is with these books, you look at a gossip girl, you look at hills and even what we we're saying with Laguna Beach is people want escapism yeah you know what true. I mean unless it is like a Hunger Games or the story about an orphan who overcomes like people like the you know what I mean they want the humble beginnings to be two doctors from Santa Barbara yeah. <laughs> like nobody's it's a very like a fantasy yeah then I just wish that
0: like she leaned into that more because there's a lot of talk about how like Madison is so rich and like that's part of Madison's character that's kind of her whole personality is that she has money and she shops all the time and like her job, if she has one, is ambiguous, and like she's gotten plastic surgery, that's kind of who she is. And I feel like she
1: was like a Paris Hilton character almost.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I feel like she's shades of Heidi, very Paris Hilton, mm. um, maybe more who Heidi like would
1: grow into, or like who Heidi's kid. Yeah, there's something like she has that whole East Coast socialite thing though, so it's very. Yeah, like, I almost felt like her and Gabby were kind of Paris and Nicole-esque. Oh, that's true. That's interesting. But yeah, it's like if you were talking so much,
0: I think it's because she talked so much about Madison's money, it made me feel like she was making a point like to show that Scarlett and Jane didn't have money. And I just wish that like, yeah, the escapism is fun. That's why we like to read books like this. So just like, let them be rich. Like if they're rich, just let them be rich. Like I don't really want to hear about how they're not as rich as Madison. So we of course have to talk a little bit about the relationships because that's a huge part of the book and about how how it's produced. Like once these girls are on a reality show because Trevor – the producer starts to get concerned that Jane's new love interest, Brayden, isn't going to make good TV. And even though he invites the girls over to his house, um, he won't sign a release to be on camera and that's not gonna work for him. It just makes you wonder like about all of the men that I'm sure these girls dated who
1: we never saw. Yeah, yeah. And but also like the truth, I think something that's very, what I've talked about with Audrina is one of the concerns is they have edited the first episode to make it look like Jane goes home with some random. Yeah. And then they also show this date she went on that in real life she did not like at all. And she's concerned about how her real life love interest will feel. Yes. And I do think in real, like that's when reality and unreality crash is when the guy you actually like thinks you're dating someone else because of what he saw on TV. And so now it actually ends because of like what the fake world said to the real world. Yeah, they have this experience of like watching
0: the first episode at a viewing party and they have no idea how it's going to be edited. They also like, of course, think it's not going to be a big deal. They're like, oh, nobody's going to watch this. Our lives are so boring, which is sort of like a tongue in cheek moment because it's like, yeah, it was so boring. And yet everybody watched
1: it for years and years and years.
0: And that's like magic
1: of it. <laughs> I mean, what recent reality TV is compared to old reality TV? First of all, the glitz and the glam, that was all recent, they used to just like wear jeans and do nothing. I've rewatched meeting the bark meet the Barkers because we read Travis Barker's memoir. Yeah. And there's an entire episode where the premise is Shayna Mokler like won't get out of bed. And like the movers are moving and she's just kind of like la- like laying in bed and then laying on the floor. And she's just like, it's le- 30 minutes of her laying. And that was TV and we watched that shit. <laughs> well, the old Kardashian show
0: even. Like I was watching um, the newest episode of like the Kardashians, the Hulu show. And I think I actually am really enjoying the Kardashians more than I did keeping up with the Kardashians. But there was like, I don't know if you've watched it, but the new episode- there's just like a 20 minute montage of Chris and Chloe shopping for edibles. And it reminded me so much of the old show, which was literally them just like walking around
1: and like. It was very like one prank per episode. Right. Like there was, was everyone yeah. had a shit like. Chloe's getting waxed and Courtney's doing it. Right, right. Like, Chris is going
0: to take edibles, like, LOL. And it made me – I was like, oh, right. Like, that's why this show is so different because that moment stuck out so much from, like, the glitz and glam of Kim Mm -hmm. and Kendall going to Milan or wherever else they were going.
1: And now that show acts as such a – like, after the fact reveal. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's almost like, here's the question, and then in six months, you'll get the answers from our reality show of what was actually happening. Yeah. Whereas it didn't used to have this, like, call and response to pop culture. It used to just be, like, here's a family acting insane.
0: I'm finding that so frustrating, though, like, with the whole um, Pete situation. Like, I I was one of the maybe few people, but like, I was really rooting for them. I kind of thought it would last. And so, I'm having a hard time watching the show and like knowing that she and Pete aren't together anymore. <laughs> Um, but that's just like me probably being a softie. So yeah, like there's these relationships being engineered with L.A. Candy. And I won't spoil the ending because of course there's like a very juicy cliffhanger <laughs> for anybody who wants to get some real escapism. This holiday season, it really is a quick fun read, but basically like the producers behind the show are trying to engineer Jane's love life by selecting like who she should be spending time with based on like who wants to be on TV and who would make better headlines. And then of course you have the tabloid editor sort of like having a say in that as well I thought that this was like an interesting peek at like earlier odds paparazzi culture too which mm-hmm. is something we've been talking about more over the last year or so because of Britney Spears like you kind of forget or I do that like the paparazzi thing was like such a problem at this time and that somebody like Lauren Conrad in 2009 was so used to the paparazzi that's just like not as much of A standard issue.
1: Yeah, that was definitely the heyday of like the consolidated fame because now I think with social media and YouTube, there's so many different avenues to be famous. And, you know, I guess we're probably the same age, but like you'll find out about a YouTuber who has 20 million followers. Like I had never heard of the Try Guys before last week, and it turns out they were the most famous people in the world. (laughs) And that just doesn't, you know, even back in the day, it didn't exist like that. It was very gate and who got to be famous and who we're interested in. And when the entire world is watching the same 15 women, those 15 women's lives are out. Right.
0: And so it's like these four teenagers on L.A. Candy who nobody knew about one day. All of a sudden, everybody knows them. And I guess I sort of in 2022 take that for granted that like that was actually a thing that did happen Mm -hmm. um, where one day like nobody knew who Jane was. And the next she couldn't go anywhere without being followed by the paparazzi.
1: I mean, in Audrina's book, she talks about, I mean, literally, she was discovered at the pool at her apartment complex, and within a few weeks, she was on, Rolling. like, she did the cover of Rolling Stone. (laughs) So crazy. So crazy. Do you think you would have liked this book when you were a teenager? No. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? I think I liked an edgier, grittier book. I mean, maybe when I was 12 or 13. Yeah. But I definitely think... It didn't have enough meat. You know, I love like the gingerbreads, the like sweets. Like I Ugh. liked uh, you know what I mean? I think yeah. I read somewhere that when you're a like when you're a teenager, your brain is like uncircumcised because, like you feel everything so much more passionately and intensely. And it's almost like you need books that are so fucking intense to like justify all of your feelings. And I was definitely a very like intense feeling te- kid. I like got a degree in English. I was kind of a snob about reading. I definitely would not have read this publicly I would have been like it's not up to my standards <laughs> I was
0: gonna, yeah I wouldn't have stuck up about it yeah that's like honestly part of why I started the podcast because there were just like so many books that I didn't read when I was like the right age for them because mm-hmm. I was a snob and so now I'm like oh I sort of need to like re-educate myself so that I can understand some of the references that
1: because some of them are great but yeah I mean I I've never read Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging <gasps> you should but like Ashley my co-host talks about it all the time about how that was like a book that changed her life and I've definitely also had I mean, some of those YA books are so good. And then this one is just like, it's like shitty TV, but it's a book so your parents wouldn't get mad at you kind of thing. But For it sure. definitely wouldn't have been a favorite of mine, I think. Yeah, it would have been nice to have a little bit more
0: like tea spilled, at least as an adult. Like I would have enjoyed that. The one interesting thing is that she only thanked one of her co-stars in the acknowledgements. Which which co-star? Can you guess? Whitney?
1: Nope. Heidi? No. Whoa. Oh, my God. I forget about Lo. I love Lo. Lo's so sweet.
0: How can you not love
1: Lo? I love Lo because I feel like she was always just, like, being real.
0: I know. Lo just, like, literally, I feel like, like, wandered into the situation, and they kept trying
1: to, like, make her a storyline, and it didn't always work. But she was so likable. The podcast, there's this woman, Laguna Beach, and she has a meme page about Laguna Beach, and she's interviewed everybody, I think, except for Lauren Conrad. And I'm pretty sure she told me she met Lo a few times, and Lo... Watched yourself in the first season and was like, oh, my God, am I a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> love is
0: amazing. And Love's the only one who is thanked by Lauren Conrad and LA Ellie Candy. Wow. So thank you so much for reading this book with me. I'd love to know if there are any other books that you would recommend to our listeners,
1: maybe a book that you read for your podcast or not, whatever you think was really good. I'll tell you guys. So I kind of am like a celebrity memoir expert at the moment. Yes, you are. So... If you're looking for a good celebrity memoir, I mean, the Jeanette McCurdy, I think, lived up to the hype. We just heard Constance Wu, which I thought was really good. We also love Viola Davis. We love Molly Shannon. And then if you're looking for, like, a sleeper hit that's actually better than you would think, we really enjoyed the Bella Twins, who are WWE, E-star, E-exclamation mark stars. And that's one that we always say, like, there's no excuse for a celebrity to write a bad memoir because they did a great memoir. (laughs) And it wasn't like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like mind boggling writing or anything, but they told their story authentically and vulnerably and in a considered thoughtful way. And if they can do it, then anyone can do it. They're just choosing not to. So
0: I haven't read the Jeanette McCurdy, but I want to. And it's good to hear from you, an expert that it does live up to the hype because there is a lot of hype. Yeah, there is, but it's good. So if somebody is new to your podcast, is there one episode that you would suggest they start with?
1: If you have, if you're feeling petty and in a mood to take somebody down, I mean, people love the Rachel Hollis episode, the Daniel Bernstein's, you know, those are fun where we kind of rip people apart, but then like people love an Elvira. The people say the Bella Twins brings them to tears. I mean, the good books, the people who write really good memoirs are really interesting. I think Danny Trejo was like a great episode, honestly. Okay. Well,
0: I will link to those top hit episodes in the show notes for this one. I will also link to your recommendations. Listeners, if you are not already listening to the Celebrity Memoir Book Club, go check it out. It's so fun. Um, and as somebody who like shares this intersection of, of interest in both celebrity and books, like I just think it's such a brilliant concept. And I'm so glad that you took the time to chat with me today. So thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. SSR is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.